college football playoff this weekend, baby. Here we go. Oh, man, I can't wait. TCU getting set to take on, of course, Michigan and that semifinal game. And if you want to know what's happening with TCU, hornfrogblitz.com is where you go. Jeremy Clark is the publisher, does an awesome job there. Uh, he is at the Fiesta Bowl. He is getting ready for this game, and it is great to have him on the show. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Uh, Jeremy, let's just, before we get to, you know, you're there, you're getting ready for the game on Saturday against Michigan. This program, TCU, this year in Sonny Dyke's first season, becoming the first non-Oklahoma team to make the college football playoff from the Big 12, how shocking has this season been to you? And what has that uh, meant to this program and to the people around this program? I mean, I predicted this, Pete. I mean, 12, I mean, come on, man. No, I don't think anyone <laughs> predicted this. I mean, you're talking to the guy that was that was uh, predicting a floor of 6-6 six and six and a ceiling of 8-4, and four, and I really thought, if they finish with that amount of wins, it would be a really good season for them compared to how it's kind of been over the last four years. But, uh, you know, I, I, there is some shock. There is some shock not only from, from media but fans. I mean, I think even if you're one of those diehard cut-me-open-and-I-bleed-purple fans, you're still kind of a little bit shocked to see your uh, your football team playing in the college football playoffs. So I think it's been a lot of excitement. I think people are, are really just – gravitating more to the program I think if you just go to any of those games this year there was a lot more excitement and we all kind of started to see some things in the spring that this could be a really special season and, and I'm not saying that anyone predicted this but I think they all felt that this could be a, a different season compared to what we've seen uh, just based on the way the players were practicing that they looked like they were having fun there was not so much walking on eggshells around the, the program and, and and really the, the players just really bought into what Dykes and his new coaching staff are coaching. And I think that's a big part of it, just the early buy-in process. And they had a talented roster. But, again, I, I, I really didn't think that they were going to be this successful. I did not believe on December 29th I'd be talking to you from Phoenix, Arizona. He's <laughs> getting ready to – getting ready to play in the college football playoff in a few days so yeah it's been it's been really crazy you know i i know that no one around the program and no one's looking to uh make this season in any way an indictment against gary patterson i mean the guy's got a statue for goodness sakes but i i do wonder you know it kind of i don't know has there been that conversation jeremy where the way this season has gone for sonny dykes in his first year with basically gary patterson's team and this team has been stagnant for the better part of, you know, nearly half a decade now under Patterson's leadership. Was it time for just a shakeup, or is it fair to say maybe Gary really did lose his touch those last couple of seasons? I really think it's a combination of both. And, you know, not to talk bad about Gary or anything like that. I was around the man for a long time. But, I mean, you could just you could just see some of the things that were, were happening that, Maybe the players weren't weren't playing as hard, and I think if you even look at last year, uh, before Docs Docs got the job, and look at that game when they played Baylor, uh, you, you lose Gary Patterson, you you're, you don't have him on the sidelines, and TC goes out there and, and beats the top ten Baylor team. No one expected that, but everyone started started to kind of point and say, was well, was this because Gary wasn't on the sidelines? Was he riding the team too hard? We don't really know the answers to those questions, but you can see what you see now. I mean, there's obviously uh, players that 
aren't playing as tight. They're playing a lot more loose. They're not. They're not. Uh, you know, afraid to make mistakes. I guess you could say. And 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 that's one of the things. And just talking to players and, and talking to ex-players, you, you got a sense of that. That sometimes there might have been a little bit of uh, fear in making those mistakes and and really not being able to play loose. And I think with Dykes and the rest of his coaching staff, they've brought in a mentality to where. They're not trying to make them do so many different things. They're trying to keep it simple, especially on offense, especially with you know coaching Max Duggan and, and, and how successful he's been this year. But I, I think overall it's just uh, a coaching staff that really and truly understands today's college football player. There, mm-hmm. there, there's just some ways you've got to coach them a little bit different. It's not the same way you could coach players back in the 90s or early 2000s. It's, it's just a different – day and age of uh, football we live in. And, and I think that's what Sonny Docks really understands and, and the rest of his coaching staff really understands. So they've, they've done a tremendous job in, in, in selling that to the players and the players have all bought in with it. Now, that being said, I, you know, as far as I can tell, Gary Patterson has stayed in touch with a lot of guys. He seems to, there's the hot mic moment after one of the Texas games where he was curious what was happening in the TCU game. So it does seem like Gary has really cared about these guys, he's followed their successes this year. He has not been bitter about it, at least nothing we've seen. How much is that true, and, and how much has he still been in touch with these guys the last couple of weeks, if at all? Well, I mean, I, obviously he recruited a lot of those guys. I mean, uh, there are there's some transfers here that he didn't transfer to, or, or recruit to TCU, excuse me. Um, but there are a lot of players here that he still really cares about. Max Duggan is a guy he got from Iowa. Quentin Johnston, I mean, you, you name it, Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller's a guy that was, I mean, I just wrote a story this morning. He was headed to UTSA as a linebacker before TCU started recruiting him as a running back. And, I mean, there's there's a lot of the roster that, that still, um, I, I would think, communicate with Gary in some form. But I don't, I don't think he's going to be uh, messaging players. He's going to let them enjoy their time, uh, just in, enjoying the season that they're having. I mm-hmm. think he's an advocate for it. I've heard that he might even – be down here for the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I think there is a there, there's a part of Gary. Everyone sees the the mad and 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 everything else where the yelling's coming from the sidelines. But there is a part of Gary Patterson that he really cares about the players. He cares about their future, and and I, I really do think that he's probably uh, really proud of what these guys have been able to accomplish. And I, and I think at the same time he's probably uh, that coaching mentality. He's kind of looking at it at. Man, these guys are—they're uh, twelve and one with my roster, with the guys I recruited. So there's probably there's probably a, a not not a ton, but maybe a, just a little sense of fitness. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, when when you see someone else when you see someone else do good with some of the the uh, ingredients that you had. So, uh, but you know, I, I think overall Gary's Gary's probably really happy with a lot of these players. Jeremy Clark Hornfrog Blitz is joining us here on the show. Great to have him on. Getting set for the college football playoff. Now for the game, uh, Jeremy. You know, this Michigan team, obviously uh, the listeners of this show are going to be Big 12 fans. They'll have watched TCU, seen TCU. But Michigan, as you start to learn more about this Michigan team, what do Big 12 fans in general need to know about this team and, you know, what are their strengths, their weaknesses, and what could cause TCU some major problems? Well, I mean, I think if you look at their roster, they're big, strong, they're physical. Um, this is a roster that's full of four-star guys. They've got some five-star guys in there. Um, they're they're an offense uh, that likes to run the football. They've got what many regard as the top offensive line in the nation. They've won the Joe Moore Award two years consecutive. 
uh, two, for two consecutive years, and, and that, that means something. I mean, they, they've got a, a list of five guys that, that just know how to move guys. What I've been really impressed with um, with their offense is their ability to still run the football well. They don't have uh, Blake Cromer. They, they got Donovan Edwards that's had a really good game against Ohio State, had a really good game in the Big Ten Championship against uh, Purdue. They can still run the football. And if you look at the way teams run the football – you think they're one-dimensional. Well, Michigan's not really one-dimensional. They're they got a really good quarterback, young quarterback, in J.J. McCarthy. He's had a really good, successful throw, uh, season throwing the football, has over uh, 2,300 yards. He's thrown 20 touchdowns. He takes care of the football. He's only got four interceptions on the year. But what I think really makes him dangerous and really what has some of these TCU defensive players on the uh, on the eye for is is uh, just his scrambling ability. He's, he's really uh, – good at making plays with his feet he doesn't have a lot of rushing yards but he does have uh plays that it looks like he's going to be taken down in the backfield and, and what look what could look like a six-yard loss or maybe a five-yard loss ends up being a two-yard gain so there's ways that he's been able to make plays with his feet um, that i think is going to be pretty uh troublesome for tcu's defense they have been prone to give up a little bit of uh big plays with quarterbacks that can scramble a little bit but it's it's something that's going to be fun because I, I I think when I when I look at this this matchup and this is something I thought of even before we saw TCU and Michigan uh, get matched up is I felt when TCU was in the hunt for the playoffs I've always felt that Michigan might be the best matchup because I feel like Michigan is the most similar team to teams that TCU has faced from the Big Twelve. They've got the athletes like Texas does. They've got those big four-star. They've got a great defensive line. Texas has a great defensive line that we all saw. Uh, they play strong defensively like Kansas State. They don't. They don't make their own mistakes. I mean, they. You got to. You, when you get yards against Kansas State, you've got to earn those things. The same way playing against Michigan. Michigan's got some athletic corners. Kansas State had some athletic corners. So there's there's similarities in, in some of the teams that TCU has faced. And, I, and what I think TCU has an advantage in, yeah, Michigan has played teams like Ohio State, but you look down the list of Big Ten teams, there's not a whole lot of teams that possess the top of team speed TCU has on both sides of the football. So I think that could be a small advantage for TCU that a lot of people aren't really looking at right now. You know, I think that um, there's still this kind of misconception, and you tell me, you know, you're there every day, getting ready for this game on Saturday, you're following the media coverage. There's still a little bit of that sentiment of TCU's like this little Mountain West team, and they got some quick little fast guys, and the Big 12, you know, is a cute little conference, but it's not the Big 10. It's not the SEC. They're not the big boys. Are you getting that mentality? Are you getting a little bit of that? Because that's what I'm sensing, but you're there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you you could see it from people tweeting out different things from, some of the players and, and, and uh, you know, obviously Michigan fans have, you know, pretty much written their ticket to LA uh, for the Wolverines. So it's, it's the same mentality that I think a lot of blue blood programs have when they play teams that aren't really well known. And, 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 and really, I think TCU this year really became the, the talk of college football. I think when people watch TCU, they're, they're saying, well, they're only good. They had to come back in so many of those, those games that they won. Well, that's what good teams do. That's what people don't understand. Yeah, they want some close games, but that's what good teams figure out a way to do. When Oklahoma used to do it, and you know this, Pete, when Oklahoma used to do it, they termed it Sooner Magic. 
mm-hmm. was Sooner Magic that led Oklahoma to all these great wins. And TCU has somehow found a way to get back in these games. Some of those things were lucky bounces, and, and, and that's what, what it takes to have a, a good football team. Sometimes you have to be good, and sometimes you have to be a little bit lucky. But, yeah, I think the perception right now is, you know, even one of the linebackers from Michigan yesterday was – he he didn't know TCU played in the Big Twelve. I mean he 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 was he he was kind of sure of it, but he kind of wasn't sure. He kind of <laughs> second guessed himself. TCU plays in the Big Twelve, right? So, and then you have JJ McCarthy talking about TCU's three three five. And what I'll say about the three three five, and Sonny Dyke said a little bit about it this morning. It, it, it's a defense that is that is set up sometimes for defenses that aren't athletic across the board. It it, it helps teams overcome some some deficiencies they might have in a few spots. But when you get a 3-3-5 and you have an athletic team like TCU has in basically every position, you've get a, you've, you, you've created yourself a really good defense. I think that's what TCU has right now. I think their defensive line has improved a lot. I think their linebackers are playing at a higher level. The secondary is, is, is one of the best secondaries in the nation. you got Trey Hodges, Tomlinson, and Josh Newton, two of the better corners. And you've got really, really strong safety play right now. So, I'm kind of surprised that, that the perception of uh, TCU is, is the way it's been with some of the Michigan players and Michigan fans. But I'll say this, you've been around college football long enough. Everyone remembers back in 2010, Wisconsin was supposed to roll over TCU in that Rose Bowl. And I think we all remember what the outcome of that game was. That's very true. That is very true. So what is, you mentioned a couple of these matchups that we're watching, but what is the one that you think TCU can take most advantage of in this game that gives them the greatest edge. Is it that speed on both sides of the ball? Is it something more specific you're looking at, Jeremy? I think where they're going to have the the biggest edge is at that speed on the defensive side of the football. I think Michigan is going to obviously get some running yards. They've got a big offensive line. But I think that speed is going to help TCU. I I really, truly think that. I think uh, Michigan has seen similar uh, skill athletes with Ohio State. And they, they had a lot of success in that game. But I, I really feel like TCU has been battle-tested. They've been battle-tested in facing offenses that are similar to Michigan, similar to quarterbacks that can run like J.J. McCarthy. I, think, I don't think Michigan's going to show them anything that they uh, haven't seen. So I think on the flip side, that 3-3-5 is going to be something that Michigan hasn't seen along with that team speed. You, you, you listened to J.J. McCarthy yesterday talking about the three-three-five and how it's going to create open lanes and they're going to be able to smash the football. I don't know if he's watched a lot of three-three-five defenses. That three-three-five was kind of designed to help stop the run as well. And anyone that's watched Big 12 football over the last several years, especially with Matt Campbell up there at Iowa State and how well those guys have played defense with that same scheme, I, I think this is going to be something that's going to really surprise Michigan. All right, Jeremy, as we look at this game on Saturday, I don't know if you want to be or if you like being in the prediction business, but how do you feel like this thing is going to play out? Uh, Michigan, TCU, college football playoff, Fiesta Bowl. What are you thinking as of right now? Well, anyone listening and they want to put money on this game, do not – you know, just go ahead and turn it off right now. Don't <laughs> listen to my predictions because I'm not, I'm not going to be here for you guys to, to get mad at, but – I, I think it's going to be closer. I, I, I don't I don't believe in the uh, big spread. I think it's gone down to seven or seven and a half now. But I really feel like this game's going to be a lot closer. Um, one thing that really really impressed me about TCU this year was not only the fact that they go 
twelve and zero during the season, and they 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 lost in the Big Twelve championship, obviously to Kansas State. But if you go back and look at their schedule, they didn't have an off day since September seventeenth. They played a grueling schedule, uh, just grinded it out every week, no rest, no bye week, and yet somehow they managed to play some really tough teams. They beat Texas on the road. They had fifteen guys the next week catch the flu. A lot of coaches had the flu as well, so they didn't have really good uh, practice week leading up to Baylor. They squeezed out a win against them, and everyone's looking at, well, Baylor, they had to squeeze out a last-second field goal. They got lucky. But if you knew all the stuff going on behind the scenes that just got them to Saturday, you'd be even more impressed. But what I like about TCU heading into this game is they have rest now. They're they're healthy. They're getting guys Quentin, like Quentin Johnston back to 100%. Johnny Hodges – who did not play in the Big 12 championship, their best linebacker against the run is now healthy. He's the Big 12 defensive newcomer of the year. Everyone forgets that he didn't play against Kansas State. That was a big loss for them. He's going to be healthy. So when you have a guy like that playing against Michigan's run offense, I think that's that's going to be really key. So um, I I don't – I'm not going to sit here and say TCU is going to win, but I think they're going to surprise some people. I I really do. I, I it it would not it would not shock me in any way, shape, or form if TCU comes out there and gets a win. It really it really would not surprise me. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw a score out, mm. but I, I really feel that this this game isn't gonna be as easy come easy go for Michigan as people think it's gonna be. I really think TCU's gonna put up a fight. I think it's gonna be a, a close game. And guess what? I think it's gonna be one of those uh, classic TCU games that we've all seen this year. And what's made them be part of the huge discussion of college football. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about this game come Saturday night. And I think, uh, I think there's something that tells me, and, and I may be wrong. They could go out there and get blown out by 35, but something tells me that TCU fans might be having a good new year's Eve. I love it. I love it. And I got to just quickly reference, cause you brought it up there. Uh, Sonny Dykes, no bye weeks for TCU, you know, since September, Sonny Dykes taking a little shot at the sec this week when he said, quote, we don't have the good fortune to play an out-of-conference game like the SEC does in Week 10 or Week 11. You're not going to catch the Citadel in Week 10. We caught Texas. I, I, you know what? I love, I love that Sonny Dykes has a little, uh, little pizzazz, a little confidence, a little swagger going here, and I think he's going to be an important voice for this conference moving forward, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all love Coach Dykes' media. Um, he has just become a, a, a breath of fresh air. He, he doesn't, he doesn't really go out there and, and, and provide message board material or uh, bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does, he does say some good things. He does say what, what's on his mind. And I think that's, uh, I think that's really refreshing. You know, it's, it's, it's good to have a, you know, a, a voice for the big 12 like him. And, uh, he's going to be advocating for the big 12. He's, he's, not only great for TCU, he's great for the conference. And I think what we're going to see with TCU over the next few years, especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the conference, this is this is a guy who has always felt that TCU could be on top of the mountain of the Big 12, uh, not only with the facilities and, and, and the uh, support he gets from TCU, but being in a talent-rich area like DFW. Um, he's in for the long haul. I, it, it's going to be funny because he's going to continue to be successful and guess what happens when you're success, successful? You start getting mentioned for other programs. But I really and truly feel like Sonny Dykes is going to be 
around TCU for the long haul, and he's he's going to be great for the Big 12 as well. It's awesome. Great times. Uh, awesome time to be, obviously, following this team. Jeremy Clark, publisher of Horn Frog Blitz. Check him out. Doing great work. He's down there at the Fiesta Bowl. No one's covering this game better than him. Jeremy, keep up the great work. Thanks for joining us and fitting us in. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Pete. Love Jeremy Clark, and we love you for listening as well. Thanks for being here. Hey, Happy New Year. If you want to give me a New Year's gift or a late Christmas gift, know what I'd love? A quick little rating, review, and subscription to this podcast on iTunes, and I will send you a late Christmas gift in return. That's a Heartland College Sports koozie. So just hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Um, Leave me a rating and a review. Five-star, please. And then a nice little, just something a little nice in the comments there would be great. Much appreciated. Then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get you hooked up with that free Heartland College Sports koozie, which I'm putting in the mail, put them in the mail every single week. So thank you, guys. Enjoy the college football playoff. We'll talk to you on uh, the podcast, also on YouTube after the game on Saturday. Looking forward to that, and we'll talk to you then. Take care.